أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمدا عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك لعبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد Welcome to another episode of our tafsir page by page and inshallah ta'ala today we are on page number 6 of the first juz in Surah Al-Baqarah and today we begin with the passage of Surah Al-Baqarah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the story of the creation of our father Adam alayhi salatu wassalam and this is a story that is repeated a number of times in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But its first mention, if we start from the beginning of the Quran, is in this verse, verse 30 onwards in Surah Al-Baqarah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showing to us his power, his ability, the fact that he is the creator, the sustainer, the originator subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says, Jalla fi ula, a'udhu billahi min shaytanir rajeem. وَإِذْ قَالَ رَبُّكَ لِلْمَلَائِكَةِ إِنِّي جَاعِلٌ فِي الْأَرْضِ خَلِيفَةٌ And remember when your Lord told the angels, I am putting a successor upon the earth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and by extension me and you, that he has, that he informed the angels before the creation of Adam alayhi salam that he would place upon the earth a successor. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will place upon the earth a successor, meaning that there were probably before the existence of Adam alayhi salatu wasalam, other creations that existed upon the earth, Allah Azza wa knows the best of their reality. But that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then prepared the earth for the coming of our father Adam alayhi salatu wasalam. And Allah Azza wa instructed and informed the angels that he would be doing so. In verse number 30, Allah Azza wa mentions to us the response of the angels of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as we know, the angels of Allah Azza wa are a creation that He created from light. And they are a creation that only obey Allah Azza wa and they do not disobey Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. They don't have, <coughs> excuse me, they don't have like humans and jinn the option and the ability to disobey Allah Azza wa Rather, they have no free will and they do as Allah Azza wa commands. The angels responded to their Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala and they created and they said, قَالُوا أَتَجْعَلُوا فِيهَا مَنْ يُفْسِدُ فِيهَا وَيَسْفِكُ الدِّمَاءِ وَنَحْنُ نُسَبِّحُ بِحَمْدِكَ وَنُقَدِّسُ لَكَ They said, how can you put someone there, meaning upon the earth, who will cause damage and bloodshed, cause corruption and bloodshed, when we celebrate your praise and proclaim your holiness. Allah Azza wa Jal says that the response of the angels, عليهم الصلاة والسلام, is that they said, O Allah, will you place upon the earth a creation that will cause corruption upon the earth and will spill blood. Spilling blood or murder is from the corruption of the earth. But they specified this because of the gravity of that type of corruption, because corruption is anything which is evil upon the earth. And that consists of many levels and many different shapes and forms. From the worst of those corruptions or from the worst evil that can be done, is the spinning of blood meaning innocent murder. And so when a person is murdered for no valid reason, when a person is unjustifiably killed, 
then that is something which is from the worst of corruption. And that is something which every society, every religion, every culture agrees upon because of the gravity and the heinous nature of that crime. The angels, they consider this to be the default position of humans. That Allah, if you create this creation and place them upon the earth, then that is going to be the default of this creation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the angels continued and said, Why, O oh Allah, do you need to do this? When we, meaning the angels, we praise you and we proclaim your holiness. Meaning that we are engaged in your worship, in your ibadah, in your obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we know from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam that there are angels that are constantly worshipping Allah azza wa jalla. In one hadith, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam heard a creaking sound coming from the heavens, a rumbling in the heavens, and he said, that there is not a hand span of space upon the uh, upon the heavens, except that there is an angel either standing, bowing, or prostrating upon it. And the Prophet told us, وسلم, that he saw on his night journey the Baytul Ma'mur, the house of worship in the heavens that is directly above the Kaaba. And he said that every single day, 70,000 angels enter into the Baytul Ma'mur, that house of worship in the heavens, to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and then they leave, and they will never return again, meaning that every single day, a new group and batch of 70,000 angels come. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responds to the angels in verse number 30, and he says, قَالَ إِنِّي أَعْلَمُ مَا لَا تَعْلَمُونَ He says, I know that which you do not know. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has knowledge. This verse is amazing in the lessons that he gives to us. The greatest of those lessons is that irrespective of the knowledge that any of the creation of Allah azza is given, the knowledge of the Prophet ﷺ, the knowledge of Jibreel salam, the knowledge that any and every single one of the creations of Allah has, they pale in comparison to the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The angels spoke based upon what they thought was most likely, what they knew based upon the limited knowledge that Allah had given to them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, rather there is much more good that will come about in the creation of Adam salam and his offspring. And were it not that the only good that comes about is that the believers are known, that the angels, that the prophets and messengers of Allah are chosen, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewards the people of good, that Allah azza wa establishes and, and propagates through Islam and the Muslim, the tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is enough good from that which Allah azza wa wants to take place upon the earth. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the angels that this is the knowledge that you have, and Allah says, I know that which you do not know. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then tells us in verse number 31 that from the knowledge then that Allah azza wa favored our father Adam alayhi salam with is the knowledge of the names of all things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَعَلَّمَ آدَمَ الْأَسْمَاءَ كُلَّهَا ثُمَّ عَرَضَهُمْ عَلَى الْمَلَائِكَةِ فَقَالَ أَنْبِئُونِي فَقَالَ أَنْبِئُونِي بِأَسْمَاءِ هَؤُلَاءِ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ صَادِقِينَ Allah says he taught Adam the name of all things. Then he showed them to the angels and said, tell me the names of these things if you truly think that you can or if you are truthful in your claim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught Adam the names of all things. And the scholars of Tafsir differed as to exactly what that means. And perhaps the strongest of those positions or the most comprehensive of them, and Allah azza wa knows best, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught to Adam salam vocabulary. He taught, them, taught him the name of everything. Taught him the name of of pen, of what a pen is, and he showed him what it is, and a book, and, and a pot, and, and everything that Allah wanted to uh, teach Adam salam concerning. So Allah gave to him knowledge. 
and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to him to the, gave to him the knowledge of the names of things. And then Allah presented and showed those same things to the angels and he said, Tell me now the names of these things if you think you have the knowledge to do so. To show them that despite what they may think, the angels of Allah despite what they may hold to be true, their knowledge is nothing like the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For Allah is all-knowing and his knowledge is perfect and complete subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this shows to us therefore an important lesson for us as Muslims. Sometimes when we're told to do something as Muslims, we're given a commandment in the Quran, or we're taught that something is a part of our religion, that this is what Allah commanded, this is what the Prophet ﷺ commanded. Sometimes our, our hearts find it difficult to accept. Sometimes our desires or our rationale or our minds seek to reject those things based upon a number of factors, be they societal or be they the pressure of, of people around us or whatever it may be, our logic, our own understanding. We seek to understand or we seek to uh, reject and we seek to explain away certain things concerning our religion. And we do so each and every single time based on limited knowledge based on what we think we may know, based on what we perceive to be a greater good or a greater harm or a greater benefit. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows us here at the very beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah, and we said that this is a surah that teaches the Muslim how they should be, their belief system, the lessons that they should hold in order for them to be true believers in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is showing us that your knowledge is nothing compared to his knowledge. So if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands you, for example, that when you're making wudu and you wipe over your socks, you wipe over the top of the sock as opposed to the bottom, even though it is the bottom that touches the ground and the floor and therefore logically would be more likely to be dirty than the top, but you still wipe over the top, that is because that is what Allah commanded. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands the men to have beards and the women to cover their hair, when Allah commands us that in a very limited, very limited circumstance in inheritance, the male may get double the portion of the female. When Allah says that men have certain rights over women and women have certain privileges over men, and these are things that Allah has ordained. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does so with the infinite knowledge that he possesses subhanahu wa ta'ala. So for me and you then to question, to reject, to try to explain away, is very similar to this example that Allah is giving here of the angels. When they said to Allah, don't create Adam. And Allah is saying to them, how can you possibly know what is, what is right for me to do or not to do? And so Allah shows by teaching Adam السلام, the names that even though this creation was only just created now, in a very short period of time he has come into existence. And the angels have been there for much, much longer. Only Allah knows the extent and the length and the time period of their creation. Within that small amount of time, Allah taught to Adam السلام, that which the angels had not accumulated in however many years they had already been in existence. Because Allah is the one who teaches. He is the one who teaches. And from his teaching is that he gives to whomsoever he wills knowledge as he pleases subhanahu wa ta'ala. The angels with their humility and their humbleness and their submission, once they understood this, this lesson that is extremely important for the believers as well, they said as Allah says in verse number 32, that beautiful statement of theirs, قَالُوا سُبْحَانَكَ لَا عِلْمَ لَنَا إِلَّا مَا عَلَّمْتَنَا إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْعَلِيمُ الْحَكِيمُ They said, may you be glorified, O Allah, 
We have knowledge only of that which you have taught us. You are the all-knowing and the all-wise. And that is exactly how the believer should be. Allah knows the intricate detail of each and every single thing. Allah knows what we conceal and hide within our hearts. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees and knows the most hidden element and, 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 and in existence in this whole universe. And Allah knows it intimately and intricately. Knowledge that no one else besides him subhanahu wa ta'ala possesses. And so when Allah commands us to do something, when Allah tells us that this is for your salvation, when Allah says these commands and prohibitions are for your success in this life and the next, why wouldn't we submit and why wouldn't we accept something like this? Why wouldn't we be as the angels were? Why wouldn't we say as the angels said, Subhanak, glory be to you. La ilma lana illa ma'allamtana. We have knowledge only of that which you taught us. So when Allah commands us to pray, when Allah commands us to wake up for Fajr in the early morning, when Allah tells us to fast the whole month of Ramadan, when Allah says you must give some of your wealth if you reach a minimum amount, and a lunar year has passed on your wealth, you must give some of it in zakah. When Allah commands us to perform hajj once in a lifetime, if we have the ability to do so. When Allah tells us these are the restrictions and the guidelines for marriage and divorce and inheritance and everything else, buying and selling, then why wouldn't we accept this knowing that Allah has perfect knowledge and therefore what He legislates, what He ordains, what He commands is only good and only beneficial for His creation subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah then turned to Adam والسلام, as He mentions in verse number 33 and He said to him, Ya Adam, qala, Ya Adam, anbi'hum bi'asma'ihim O Adam, inform them of the names of these things. The angels didn't know, you tell them now. You tell them the knowledge that you were given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala concerning the names of these things. So when he told them their names with the knowledge that Allah Azza wa had given to him, Allah said to the angels, Did I not tell you that I know what is hidden in the heavens and the earth and that I know what you reveal and what you conceal? And this is also from the beauty of the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. From the knowledge of Allah is that He knows everything in the heavens and the earth. He knows what we make apparent and He knows what we hide and keep secret and conceal within ourselves. And that is why when we turn to Allah in worship, the beauty of making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the beauty of asking of Allah and seeking His help and aid subhanahu wa ta'ala is that when you do so, you turn to the one who has ultimate knowledge subhanahu wa ta'ala. If me and you were to seek advice from one another, you go to your friends, you go to your family, you go to the people around you and you seek advice or you seek help, you must first explain to them your situation. And even if you manage to explain your situation, because for many people, they find it difficult to explain the full scope of the situation that they're in. But even if you manage to do so over a lengthy period of time, maybe over a number of sittings or a number of phone calls or a number of messages, you explain to them, what you are in and the situation that you're in and you seek their help, you still cannot perhaps give to them the full extent of the emotions that you feel, of the feelings that you have, of the stress that you're going through, of all of the emotions that you're experiencing and that you have been experiencing throughout this whole ordeal or hardship that you're facing. But the beauty of turning to Allah is that you don't need to tell him that intricate detail. You show before Allah your poverty, your submission, your humbleness, your humility, 
And you don't need to explain to Allah every single small thing because Allah already knows. And He knows better than you. And so when you turn to Allah with dua and you ask Allah for relief, or you ask him for help, and then Allah directs you to a path from the many options that you had before you, you know therefore that Allah did so based upon his ultimate knowledge and wisdom, subhanahu wa ta'ala. What greater act of worship is there than this, and what more beautiful level of submission and humility and humbleness is there than this? We often do something similar with our family and our friends, and we take their advice on board, even though they will always be limited in its nature even though it will always be inherently weak within its nature. And that's why sometimes you go to someone and you ask them for advice and you end up refusing, rejecting their advice because you know that it doesn't make any sense in the situation that you're in. That's the best that they can offer. But when you turn to Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you everything that you need subhanahu wa ta'ala because He is the one who is all-knowing, all-wise uh, all, all subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why Allah then mentions to us in verse number 34, the command that was then given to the angels, that Allah gave to them. وَإِذْ قُلْنَا لِلْمَلَائِكَةِ اسْجُدُوا لِآدَمَ فَسَجَدُوا إِلَّا إِبْلِيسَ أَبَى وَاسْتَكْبَرُ وَكَانَ مِنَ الْكَافِرِينَ When we told the angels bow down before Adam, prostrate before him, they all did so, but not Iblis who refused and was arrogant. He was one of the disobedient. Allah commanded the angels to all prostrate before Adam alayhi salatu was salam. And all of the, Allah commanded the angels to prostrate before Adam alayhi salam. And all of them did so, except for Iblis. Iblis refuses to do so. Abba was takbar. He refused and Allah says he was arrogant. The reasoning as we know for his refusal, Allah will mention elsewhere in the Quran, is that he said that I am better than Adam. Oh Allah, you created me from a smokeless fire, you created him from clay. I am therefore better in my origin, stronger, more powerful than Adam salam. And this shows to us also one of the dangers of knowledge if it is not taken in the right way and used in the right way. And that is that knowledge can sometimes lead to a level of arrogance. How often do you find people because they know more than others, because they have knowledge over others, because they have more experience than others, because they have maybe a greater level of understanding than others, it leads them to look down towards those other people, makes them arrogant and haughty, makes them speak in a way and behave in a way that people think that they or they, they feel like or, or it seems that they think that they are better than others. With knowledge should come humbleness. The humbleness of the angels. When they're taught something, they humble themselves before Allah We now have the opposite example in Iblis, who also has been given knowledge. But that knowledge leads him away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he leads him to arrogance. And that is why arrogance is one of the gravest of sins and the most dangerous. And that is why the Prophet said wasallam, the one who has even a mustard seed of arrogance in their heart won't enter into Jannah. Because that arrogance is the beginning or the beginning seed that may eventually lead to disbelief and kufr in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These verses that we've mentioned from the beginning of this, of this page, page number 6 of Surah Al-Baqarah, the first juz, is a number of verses that speaks therefore also to the virtues of knowledge. Knowledge and its importance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explains to the angels his position and his knowledge subhanahu wa ta'ala and his wisdom, Jalla fi ula. 
Allah Azza wa favors Adam السلام, in a number of ways and from the greatest of those ways is through the knowledge that he gave to him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands the angels to prostrate before Adam السلام, a prostration of respect, not of worship, but of respect and honor because of the knowledge that he was given to him. And Allah Azza wa then also informs us that the path to guidance is through seeking knowledge that is correct in the correct way, knowledge that humbles you and brings you closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is what Allah azza wa jal wants us as Muslims to learn and to seek. Knowledge that will allow you to come closer to Allah azza wa jal, follow in the example of our father Adam alayhi salam and the angels before him, and not knowledge that takes you further away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because the people who reject Allah also have knowledge, they do so based upon their arguments and their logic and so on. It is a form of knowledge, but it is knowledge that is not blessed. It is knowledge that is incorrect. It is knowledge that is not humbling. And so because of that, it leads a person away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And therefore in our religion, as we know, Allah azza wa honors the people of knowledge. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that through knowledge, people come closer to Allah azza wa and people learn more about their religion. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, Concerning the story of our father Adam السلام, in verse number 35, وَقُلْنَا يَا آدَمُ اسْكُنْ أَنْتَ وَزَوْجُكَ الْجَنَّةَ وَكُلَا مِنْهَا رَغَدًا حيث شئتما وَلَا تَقْرَبَا هَذِهِ الشَّجَرَةَ فَتَكُونَا مِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ We said to Adam السلام, live with your wife in this garden, both of you eat freely there as you will, but do not go near this tree or you will become both from the wrongdoers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created our father Adam والسلام, and it is mentioned, in a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, that once Allah had been created and fashioned, and before uh, before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, breathed into him from his spirit and gave to him life, Iblis actually came and saw this new creation that had been created, and he walked around him, and he analyzed him, and then he said, This is a hollow creation, it will have no self-discipline. One of the things that Iblis realized is that it is easy to misguide and mislead the children of Adam And that if that person isn't strong in their iman and in their attachment to Allah they can be misguided. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave this warning to our father Adam showing that this life and this existence therefore of this world is one of trial, it is one of test, it is one of hardship. To think that you're in this life to enjoy, to relax, to benefit from all of the things of the dunya. Yes, there are things that are halal that you can benefit from and enjoy, but that is not the main purpose of your creation or the main purpose of your existence in this world. The purpose of your existence is to pass the test that Allah placed before you, and that is the test of Tawheed, to worship Him and to come close to Him through righteous deeds. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, We created Adam. And from Adam, his wife, as we know, our mother Hawa alayhi salatu wasalam. And then Allah commanded both of them to go and to reside in the garden. And he said to them, both of you eat freely. Do as you please therein. However, there is one exception. Do not eat from this tree, for to do so will make you from amongst the sinners and the wrongdoers. And that is essentially what our religion is. Our religion is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying, do as you please in this life to live a good life and a good existence. But there are a number of things that you must abide by. Everything else is up to you. How you spend your time and how you do things the way that you do. So long as you abide by these guidelines, it is okay. And Allah didn't say that everything is haram. 
or that everything is 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 a restriction except for the five, ten, fifteen odd things. Rather, Allah Azza wa said the opposite: Do as you please, but these are commandments that you must abide by, prohibitions that you must stay away from. He said to Adam salam, Go to Jannah and eat from whatever you wish. Jannah is full of trees. Jannah is full of vegetation of fruit and food. But this one tree, stay away from. And this is what shaitan does. The one thing that Allah tells us to stay away from, that is what people like. Allah says, buy and sell and do what you need in your business. But for example, stay away from riba. What do people do? What does shaitan make them do? Everyone veers towards riba. You can eat as much as you like and drink as much as you like, but stay away from certain foods. So what does shaitan say? Go and drink alcohol. Go and eat that type of meat that is haram. Go and consume that food that Allah has made haram. And so likewise, shaitan came to our parents, our forefathers, Adam and Hawa, as Allah says in verse number 36, But shaitan made them slip and remove them from the state they were in. As we know, as Allah mentions elsewhere in the Quran, that shaitan came and he whispered to them, فَوَسْوَسَ إِلَيْهِ الشَّيْطَانُ Shaitan came and he whispered to them and he said, O oh Adam, shall I not inform you of a tree that if you eat from it, you will have eternal kingdom. Eternal life and eternal kingdom. And that is what shaitan does. He whispers. He tempts. Shaitan knows what our desires seek and what our hearts seek. And so Allah tells us that the challenge is to stay away from those temptations and desires. And to know that yes, you must sacrifice some of that which you covet and seek and want and desire, but for the greater good and for a greater reward. You leave off alcohol in this life, Allah says that the believers will have the purest of drink of alcohol and of wine in the next life. You're told, stay away from certain types of food in this life. On Yawmul Qiyamah, you will have the most amazing types of food, the likes of which you cannot imagine. For men in this life, stay away from silk and from wearing gold and silver. For the believers, men and women in Jannah, they will be given jewelry and be given clothing from those very things that in this life they sacrificed for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he made them step up. And so because of that, they were extracted and removed from where they were, and that is in Jannah. And Allah said, we said to them, get out all of you. You are each other's enemy. Meaning, jinn to humans, Adam and his children, and Iblis and his descendants. You will be enemies to one to another. Iblis and his followers and his descendants are always trying to get Adam and humans, Adam and his children and his descendants, they are always trying to misguide them and take them away from the path of Allah and towards the path that will ultimately lead them into the fire. And that is why Allah in numerous places in the Quran, he warns us against shaitan. And he says, Shaitan is your enemy, treat him as an enemy. And Allah says, Will you take shaitan and all of his descendants as your helpers besides me, meaning Allah, even though he is a clear enemy to you? Allah says you will be enemies one to another. This is the duel. This is the battle that we fight each and every single day when we turn towards Allah and we stay away from the temptations of shaitan. And if we do fall into those temptations, then to turn back to the path of Allah Allah says on earth you will have a place to stay and livelihood for a time. You will remain there for a short period of time. This existence, this world therefore, is Darul Bala. 
It is the existence and the life of trial and test. Every day is a test and a trial to see whether you can come closer to Allah Azza wa Jal and to see whether you can ward off the temptations of your desires and the whisperings of shaitan. When Adam salam realized this in the final verse on page number 6, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse number 37, فَتَلَقَّى آدَمُ مِنْ رَبِّهِ كَلِمَاتٍ فَتَابَ عَلَيْهِ إِنَّهُ هُوَ التَّوَّابُ الرَّحِيمُ Then Adam received some words from his Lord and he accepted his repentance. He is the ever-relenting, the most merciful. Allah Azzawajal taught to Adam alayhi salam when Adam alayhi salam understood the mistake that he had made. And he wanted to turn to Allah Azzawajal and he did so in forgiveness and seeking repentance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught him, taught him words of repentance that he could say in order to seek forgiveness from Allah Azzawajal. Those words are mentioned elsewhere in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us the famous dua that all of us are familiar with, I think. And that is the dua, Rabbana zalamna anfusana. Oh Allah, indeed we have wronged ourselves. And if you do not forgive us and shower your mercy upon us, we will be from the losers. Allah says that Adam السلام, made or said those words and Allah accepted them from him. And that is the beauty of our worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That if you sin and you turn away from Allah, no matter how great or grave the sin may be, no matter how often and numerous those sins may be, if you turn back to Allah with sincerity, repenting, seeking his forgiveness, wanting to change for the better and come closer to Allah Allah forgives you as he did Adam Allah forgave him. Tawwab means the one who often and frequently and continuously accepts your repentance. So long as you turn to Allah in repentance, Allah will accept your repentance. And Allah loves, as he says elsewhere in the Quran, At-Tawwabin, those who frequently repent. As the Prophet said in the hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari, I seek Allah's forgiveness in a single day a hundred times, or in the other wording, seventy times. And so therefore to seek forgiveness from Allah is something which Allah loves and something which is beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah forgave our father Adam but in the same way he taught us this important lesson of the enmity of Iblis and his followers and his descendants and at the same time of the challenge that we face and the duel that we're constantly engaged in between shaitan and between turning towards the path of Allah and how we should constantly be people of forgiveness and seeking repentance. May Allah grant us his forgiveness and his repentance. Barakallahu feekum. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim.